Now turn with me please to our Bible reading in Matthew's Gospel chapter 7. Thank Thomas for leading uh, the service for me this morning. That's appreciated. And I pray the Lord will continue to bless him and undertake for him in his studies in the Whitfield College of the Bible. So Matthew 7, and we're going to look at those first six verses as we take up once again our studies in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7 and 1 has been called by by many people uh, the unbeliever's favourite text. You wouldn't think that uh, unsaved people, ungodly people, would have a a favourite text of Scripture in the Bible, but this has been highlighted as the unbeliever's favourite text. Because when people are confronted by their sin and their breaking of the law of God, then they simply reply, don't judge. Don't judge. And it's become a mantra in our own sinful society that we live in today. And and people are very quick, very quick to tell you uh, when you lay before them the claims of God's law upon their own life, don't judge me. Don't judge me. But as with everything in the Bible, every text in the Bible has to be considered in its context. And that's why we're going to look at not just verse 1, we're going to look at the six verses that go with verse 1. And they're all vitally important. And as we come to recommence again our studies on the Sermon on the Mount, it's good just to reflect for a little moment or two about the whole purpose of Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount. If you want an explanation or a summation of what it means to belong to the kingdom of heaven, study the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount gives to us rules and laws for living as citizens in God's heavenly kingdom. People have called it God's manifesto. God's manifesto for living as kingdom people in this world in which we live in. Living out this sermon, of course, means submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's many, there's many aids today in Christian bookstores about discipleship. But the greatest aid I think anybody can have in discipleship is to study the Sermon on the Mount. Because the Sermon on the Mount is the classic text of how to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 7, 1-6... The Lord Jesus gives to us another contrast. There's been many of them in chapter 5 and in chapter 6. And he addresses here the hypocritical, condemnatory spirit of the religious elite of his day. And remember he's speaking to the church of his day, the visible professing church. The scribes and Pharisees. And the scribes and Pharisees, they love to justify themselves in front of others. And in so justifying themselves, they were very good at condemning others. And that has always been the way. And as we look at our own hearts and in our own lives, it has been rightly said, I think, that there is a secret Pharisee lurking in all of our hearts. We at times are too quick to wrongly condemn others so that we might feel good about ourselves. And we do this in so many different ways right across the whole raft of life. 
But these words in Matthew 7, 1 to 6, they teach us that we who are members of Christ's kingdom, that we are not meant to be censors people, we're not meant to be condemnatory people of all and sundry. And there's good counsel here. If you want to have good relationships with others in your family and in the church family and even in the broader society, then you would do well to take up the words of Matthew 7, 1 to 6 and apply them to your own lives. We have a prohibition here and I want to look at it with you. This prohibition of Christ against this judgmental spirit that was evident in the religious lives of the scribes and Pharisees. And we can well ask ourselves the question today, well, what does that look in my life? What does that judgmental spirit look in my life? And how can we counter it? Because these six verses, I believe, give to us the answer. First of all, we have to say, to strike the balance, that this is not a prohibition against exercising biblical discernment. You know, it's as if many people who are worldly wise, academic, able to uh, press on on the journey of life and able to do so many different things, but when it comes to spiritual things, it's as if they turn their brain off. And the mantra of the day is, and we hear it so, so often, we don't judge, we just love. It's a bit crass. And that's said to sound all-inclusive, and all embracing. We have liberal and apostate ecumenical churches today and they're flying flags outside their buildings. But it's not the flag of the nation. It's not a church flag, even. It's the rainbow flag. And whenever you see that rainbow flag over a church, you know that the enemy has taken over the church building and the thinking of the people within that church building. So is this really what Jesus meant when he said, don't judge? Don't judge a person's sexuality. Don't judge a person how they live their lives. Is this really what the Lord Jesus meant? Are we meant to set aside our God-given ability to evaluate what's happening according to the scriptures and in the process make a proper biblical scriptural assessment? So we need some qualification here. If you read down chapter 7, we'll come to it all in the weeks that lie ahead. It's all about judgment. If we're not meant to properly evaluate, assess and judge things by the word of God, then Matthew 7 needs to be reinterpreted. But Matthew 7 is all about proper judgment. In verse 2 we learn that one day we're all going to be judged. If there's no judgment, if we're not meant to judge anything, well then we, we better cancel the judgment day. Because verse 2 reminds us there's a day coming in which we're all going to be judged. What a solemn thought that is. In verse 6, Jesus said, we need to judge those who it would be unprofitable to cast our pearl in front of. We'll come to those just in a little time. But you have to assess, you have to evaluate who are the, the dogs and the hogs. Because you don't throw that which is holy in front of the dogs and the hogs, do you? It would be an unthinkable thing to do. 
And then in verse 15 and 16, we need to evaluate those who come to us in sheep's clothing, but are actually wolves. And there are many people today, and they sound like sheep, they, they look like sheep, but they're really wolves. Wolves in sheep's clothing. So in order to discern who is the sheep, who is the wolf, you need to assess, you need to evaluate. So Matthew chapter 7, if we take it in its entirety, does not set aside proper biblical assessment and as a result of proper biblical assessment, a proper determination as to how we will react to the situation that we're in. Jesus Christ was not forbidding that we assess things by the scriptures of truth. And we know from many other scriptures that it's the very opposite, in fact. It is an essential requirement that in society, in the church, and in our own personal lives, we have proper biblical judgment. For example, God has placed magistrates, kings and queens and governments and those that are in authority to make good laws for the safeguarding of society. We often criticise the government and yes, sometimes they, they deserve the criticisms that they get. But I assure you, brethren and sisters, a country without a government just runs into anarchy and into ruin. If you want to look for some examples, you can look to Somalia for an example. When we lived in Kenya, there were hundreds of thousands of Somalian people who came over the border to find refuge and safety in Kenya because of the mayhem that was going on in Somalia and to a large degree that is still going on today. Nations need governments. Nations need laws. Nations need, need a proper oversight. Within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has placed elders. And it is the elders to whom the Lord has given the keys of the kingdom. And those keys of the kingdom determine who are in the kingdom and how are they to be assessed. So within society there has to be judgment. Within the church there has to be judgment. And there are times, even here and on along, when we've had to meet in session and pray and seek the Lord and in the light of the scriptures make a determined judgment upon the case that is in front of us. And in our own personal lives, every day you're making judgments. It would be impossible for you to get up on Monday morning and say, I'm not going to judge anything today. Because I don't think you'll get through the day without making proper judgments of what the day has to hold for you. So even in private judgments. Though the Bible says we are sheep. We are not to allow others to pull the wool over our eyes. And that's what's happening in the broad evangelical church today. People say they're sheep. But they're sheep that have the wool over their eyes. It's as if they've lost the ability to determine with their own common sense, their own sanctified common sense, and the scriptures of truth, and the enablement of the Holy Spirit, proper biblical judgment and assessment. Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 57, Judge uh, ye, and why not even of yourselves, judge ye not what is right. So he, he's telling us pretty clear here that, yes, you know how to judge what is right. John seven twenty four. he said, judge righteous judgment. He's speaking to his disciples. We have to judge what is right. We have to judge righteously. We're not to judge unrighteously or uncharitably. 
In Philippians 1, 9 and 10, Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he said this, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. The word there for judgment is discernment. And so we have to be, as we acquire knowledge, discerning. We have to discern what we're doing. Is this right what I'm doing? Is this according to the word of God what I'm doing? Don't switch your brain off, believer. And don't allow others who are wolves to pull who are who are wolves to pull the wool over your eye. Because I'll tell you what will happen if you do, you'll be eaten. You'll be eaten alive. And that's what's happening. Many parts of the professing evangelical church today, they are so caught up with the mantra of the day and age that we live in, we can't judge anything. In other words, they allow anything. If you don't judge anything, you'll allow anything, and you'll go with anything. And that's what has happened, sadly, in the church today. John wrote in 1 John 4 and 1, Believe not every spirit. Oh, that's very judgmental, isn't it? If you were to say that today to some woolly-minded evangelical, they'd say, oh, don't judge, don't judge. But here's John, the, the apostle of love. In 1 John chapter 4 and 1, he said, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So if you take Matthew 7, the teaching of the Lord Jesus in Luke and in John's Gospel, <clears throat> and if you take the teaching of Paul, and if you take the teaching of John and all those other scriptures together, then we know, we know, brethren and sisters, that whatever uh, Matthew 7 and 1 means or does not mean, it does not mean that we set aside our spirit of discernment. John Calvin wrote about this passage. He said, we're not only permitted, but are even bound to condemn all sins unless we choose to rebel against God himself. Just what happens when you don't judge sin, when you do not discern what is sin, you're rebelling against Almighty God. It's as if you're saying to God, your law doesn't count. We, Calvin went on to say, nay, we repeal his laws, we reverse his decisions, and we we overturn his judgment seat. So when people say, well, I don't judge, and there are churches like that, and they say, you just come, you just do whatever you want, we don't judge. I'll tell you why. It's because they have no convictions about the authority of the scriptures of truth. You set aside the Bible, yes, and you'll not need to judge anything. You can just go with everything. Multitudes have no Spiritual discernment today, they have no moral standards. Why? Because, as was read from the book of Proverbs chapter 4, they have let go of instruction. And once you let go of instruction, you lose the sense of judgment. And thus, even here in Northern Ireland, what has happened over the past year and a half, thousands of little babies have lost their lives in their mother's womb. Because as a society, we no longer judge according to God's laws. And that's what happens in society. And that's what happens in the church. And that's what happens to individuals and to us personally when biblical discernment and protection is set aside. So let's look at this uh, 
prohibition. Secondly, because it is a prohibition against making, not judgments, it's a prohibition against making unfair judgments. Unfair judgments. Notice verse 2. The word that is used for meat in our uh, King James authorised version, it just simply means to measure. So what is a reference here to? It's a reference to unfair measurements or unfair weights that were used. And of course the unfair measurements you you go in uh, and years ago you'd have bought timber by the yard. Well if somebody's yard was shorter than the proper yard then obviously you were paying for the longer yard and uh, someone was going to make a fat profit out of trying to deceive you from what you're buying. I remember boys and girls when I was young you went down to the local grocery shop and the grocer weighed out things with weights and if you wanted sugar or whatever sugar was put on one side of the scale and the weights were put on the other side of the scale and there was actually a man from the local council and he went down all of those shops just to check that all of those weights were legitimate that nobody was trying to defraud somebody else out and you had to have the weights and measures man and the weights and measures man was there to check that everybody was doing business on an even keel. Because if that weight was light or if it was heavy, someone was going to lose or someone was going to gain. Unscrupulous merchants use false weights to gain bigger profits. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. He said in verse 2, With what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, 13, we read these words. Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers weights a great and a small. Well, it was very important because this was the weights and measures man. And uh, you were not to have different weights for different occasions. In other words, that you could uh, pull a fly one on people. And you would use this weight for this thing and uh, for the other thing. Thou shalt not have in thine house divers measures a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and a just weight. A perfect and a just measure shalt thou have. So to go back to the measuring yard, a rod, it had to be exact. If you go back to the weights, if it was a stone weight, it had to be a stone. It couldn't just be under it. It had to be exactly it. It had to be exactly right. In the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, full of references to weights and just measurements, we read a just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. A just weight and balance are the Lord. So we bring this back to uh, the book of Matthew chapter 7 verse 2. We see then a just judgment is in contrast to an unjust and an unfair judgment. What the Lord Jesus is addressing here, judge not. It is a reference to unfair, hasty judgments. In Amos chapter 8, uh, 5 to 6 we read saying, when will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn and the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephod small and the shekel great and falsifying the balances by deceit that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes. Isn't this what's happening in our land today? Things are being gained by deceit. Nothing new. The Saviour reminded his kingdom listeners that unjust weights were an abomination. 
just in the same way it was an abomination to make unjust, unfair, hasty judgments. I'm afraid today there are many people and they make unfair, unjust, unhasty judgments of other Christians, of other believers. In the parallel passage in Luke's Gospel, chapter 637, Jesus said, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Before rushing to hasty judgments, the Saviour reminded his listeners in verse 1 and 2 that they would be judged one day by the same measure that they measured others with. Now, how would you like that? If God was to judge you by the same judgment that you have measured out to other people, how would you really like that today? Because that's the judgment day. The Pharisees were renowned for their unfair judgment and treatment of others. We read of them putting men out of the the temple because they didn't dot the I's and cross the T's. And as citizens of Christ's kingdom, we have to make sure that we don't fall into that same sinful snare and trap. We need, brethren and sisters, to do some judging of our own sins before we dare to look at anybody else's. The Christian should judge his or her own heart first before looking to anybody else's heart. Even as we come to the Lord's table today, the Bible says, just examine yourself. You don't need to examine the life of your brother or your sister. Just examine yourself. And some heart examination is required today from all of us. And that does not mean, again, striking the balance, that a person must be perfect before assessing any given situation. But it, doesn't, it does mean we don't rush to judgment. We don't make unfair judgments. We try to determine what a person is doing before actually knowing what they have done. We try to understand or make a judgment on what a person presumably, supposedly has said. And we never heard them say it. We don't know all the facts. But we've made a judgment. And maybe that's you today in the meeting. Maybe you're here unsaved and you've made unfair judgments against other Christians. And in looking at other Christians, you've made an unfair judgment against the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because you've said, if that's what a Christian does, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. But what other Christians do, whilst they ought to reflect Christ, they're not Christ. They're not Christ. We commend to you Christ today. The perfect Son of God. He's the only one. We need to remind ourselves there's one ultimate judge. One ultimate judge. One day we're going to stand before him. We're going to give an account. And there's no greater break, I believe, to stop us rushing into hasty, unfair judgments about what other people supposedly said or presumably have done or allegedly have done. I'll just to remind ourselves, I am going to stand before God one day and I am going to give an account. We read in Romans fourteen ten to 12 Why dost thou judge thy brother? 
or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us will give account of himself to God. There are many examples of this over the years. I heard of one man, he was in a prayer meeting. And he saw another young man come into the prayer meeting and he had a bracelet on. And this man was affronted that another brother should come into the meeting wearing a bracelet. And he started to pray against men wearing bracelets. Because he feared the whole men in the church would be corrupted and they'd they'd all become effeminate because he's wearing a bracelet. Of course it was a childish, churlish thing to do. And it was a totally unfair judgment on that man because that man wore that bracelet because it was an identity bracelet. Why? Because he was allergic to penicillin. And if he'd have had an accident and somebody gave him penicillin, it would have killed him there and then. Don't make unfair judgments. I remember being in the presence of, of an older minister. And uh, there was a lady in my church at that time. She just came to the Lord. And she came to the meeting in these lovely trousers. And with a a big hat. And he immediately asked me about her. And he said, you'll have to speak to her about that. And I thought to myself, no way am I going to speak to her about that. She has a husband who can speak to her about her dress. Would it be... For me, a young married man, to go to speak to another lady about a dress or how she's dressed. Do you know that dear lady turned out to be one of the most godly, involved believers in the church? He was making a wrong judgment. He saw an external. He didn't see the heart. An external meant nothing because that lady had only just come to the Lord. Just a matter of a few weeks actually. Don't make unfair hasty judgments. Bishop Ryle in his commentary as usual simply summarizes it all. He said what our Lord means to condemn is a fault finding spirit. A readiness to blame others for trifling offenses or matters of indifference. A habit of passing rash and hasty judgments, a disposition to magnify the errors and infirmities of our neighbours and make the worst of them. This is what our Lord forbids. Don't make hasty judgments. It's far better to make a judgment of charity and say, well, I don't know all the facts. I haven't heard that story. I wasn't there. I didn't hear it. And I can't make a judgment on it until I know all the facts. Do not make judgments until you know the facts. We should be very slow to find fault. Very slow to find fault. Now notice thirdly that this is a prohibition against hypocritical judgments. Because we read in verse 3 to 5 and The saviour in these verses is exposing the hypocrisy of the the Pharisees and the scribes because they were setting themselves up as judge and jury of others. And they set themselves up as judge and jury of others to deflect 
to deflect away from themselves. And oftentimes that's what people do. They'll say, look at him so that you're not looking at me. And I think that's the worst type of double standard. There are people, and they're very quick to spy out, as we take these words in our King James, the moat in somebody else's eye. Now, the moat that is spoken of there in the eye, it's just like a little speck of dust. So it says, if you're looking into somebody's eye and say, give us a little speck of dust in your eye, let me take it out there. And all the same time, the Bible says, and they consider not the beam that is in their own eye. So the beam is a big a log of temper. They have a big log of temper in their own eye and they're worried about a little speck of dust in somebody else's eye. Both, of course, are sin. I'm not saying that. And both need to be dealt with. Calvin, again commenting on this, he said there's hardly any person who's not tickled with the desire of inquiring into other people's faults. All knowledge indeed, that is an intolerable evil. That those who overlook their own vices are so inveterate against their brethren. And I have often found that to be the case. There are people, and as it were, to use this uh, metaphor here, they have a big beam in their own eye. But they come to me about somebody else who has a little speck of dust in their eye. The hypocrite can't see his own sin. Because he's blinded to it. If you ran around with a big beam in your eye, you couldn't see too much, could you? The God of this world has blinded them. The hypocrite is looking for ways to judge others in minor matters. Jesus addressed this again in Matthew 15. Let me read it to you for sake of time. Verse 18 to 20 onward. He said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. You see, the scribes and Pharisees said, Oh, it's the external. It comes from outside. It comes from outside. It doesn't come from within. We're perfect and pure and clean within. Uh, But Jesus said the very opposite. No, sin comes from within. And then he outlined all the sins of the heart. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. And he's speaking this to the Pharisees, the religious elite, and they're absolutely aghast at what he has to say. And he said, these are the things which defile a man. What to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Again, he's not referring to just a... Washing your hands, as it were, as a means of hygiene before you come to the meal. It was the ceremonial washing that the scribes and Pharisees went through before they sat down to eat. And Jesus said, you can have all of that ceremony and you can go through all of that rigmarole. But still, the sin comes from within that doesn't come from without. And of course, the Pharisees would have looked at someone who didn't wash their hands according to their ceremonial washing. And they wouldn't even have sat and have eaten with them. These hypocrites, Jesus said, who judge others, they need to take heed. Verse 5, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thine own eye, and then thou shalt clearly see to cast out the moat of thy brother's eye. So the meaning's very clear. You deal with sin in your life first before you dare looking at anybody else. You deal with your own sin first. And you'll never be able to help others until sin is dealt with in your own life, confessed and forsaken. Finally, 
Let's go to verse 6. This is the most difficult verse. Verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under your feet and turn again and rend you. Some commentators do not see a connection with verse 6 and what has gone before. And yet I think there must be, because we're called to exercise spiritual uh, discernment and judgment. We're not called to be naive. Now, naivety is throwing holy things to dogs. Dogs do not appreciate holy things. Uh, Naivety is giving your pearls to swine. You cannot dress up the pigs with the earrings and with jewellery. Pigs do not know anything about pearls. It's true, I know, the gospel ministry is applicable to all because Jesus sent us to preach the gospel to every creature. And yet he's saying here, we cheapen the gospel when we don't exercise spiritual discernment. We need to exercise spiritual discernment, even in speaking to individuals. Remember Herod in Luke 23 and 9, Jesus refused to speak to him. He refused to speak to him. He didn't cast his pearl before swine. Paul wouldn't argue with those who rejected his word in Acts chapter 13, verse 44 to verse 49. Again, I bring you to uh, Mr. Kelvin. He said, It ought to be understood that dogs and swines are names given not to every kind of debauched men, but to those who are destitute of the fear of God and through godliness. To those who by clear evidences have manifested a hardened contempt of God so that their disease appears to be an incurable. By dogs and swines, he means here, those who are so thoroughly imbued with the wicked contempt of God that they refuse to accept the remedy. Oh, what a tragedy. Somebody so given over to sin, so imbued with sin, that they reject the gospel. I'm not suggesting for one moment, or now there is the passage, that we should be silenced in our witness. But we do have to exercise spiritual discernment in our witness. It's always good, brethren and sisters, to know when to speak, but it's equally good to know when not to speak. That's what Jesus is speaking about here. It's always good to exercise spiritual judgment and address the situation, but sometimes you're putting the holy before the dogs You're putting the pearls before the hogs. And you've just belittled the gospel. And the things of God. We need to cease this judgmental spirit. This critical spirit over minor trivial matters. And this is what Jesus is addressing here in these opening verses. We are not the final arbiters. We're not the spiritual police. And oftentimes I have had to say uh, to many people, we do not have the answers to every situation, every problem. Only God has the ultimate answers. Who are we? We're just needy sinners. We stand in need of God's grace every day. 
and who need God's forgiveness every day. That's where that parallel passage, Luke 6, 37, resonates so much with my own heart. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Did we not learn that in the Lord's Prayer last year? Forgive us as we forgive others. May God help us to deal with uh, our own critical spirits. We, we know the Pharisee within our own hearts. Let's deal. Let's deal with our own hearts first of all. Let us overcome our own critical spirit. And for some of you, you'll have to overcome the unjust, the unfair criticisms that are leveled against you personally. And I have to say to us, the key to healthy spiritual relationships with those of others of like precious faith. It's a very, I, I find, challenging passage to study through. Matthew 7, verse 1 to 6. I have referred to it. I've never preached in this passage as a whole ever before. What a rebuke it's been to my own life. And I hope a challenge to yours.